Investment advisory services offered through Daniel Meyer, a registered investment advisor. During this show, Daniel Meyer provides general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and is not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and products or services should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory services. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Forge Private Wealth. By contacting Forge Private Wealth, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products. Coming up today, four of the biggest retirement planning concerns um, currently out there and how you can reduce your worry in these areas. Welcome in to Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. The solution set is going to be designed in such a way that it's helping bridge the gap between where the client is and where they want to go. Your retirement matters. One size never fits all. There's no one approach in financial planning. There's no one investment solution or product solution that should fit more people than it's designed for. He has the heart of an educator. There's a lot of different pieces to the puzzle. And now, Capital Insights. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Capital Insights. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. And with me today, as always, Daniel Meyer. Uh, now, Dan is a fiduciary uh, and uh, nearly 20 years helping folks getting to and through retirement. You'll find his website at forgepw.com. That's forgepw.com. Uh, hey, Daniel, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? Very, very well, thank you. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to be an interesting topic just because, you know, just just talking about retirement for some people is very, you know, it can be overwhelming, a little intimidating. Um, but what we want to do here is is kind of break down a few common concerns that, that folks do encounter. And uh, you've got solutions. So we'll go from point A to point B and hopefully no bumps along the road. What do you think? It sounds great. Let's jump right in. All right. Well, let's. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's start with uh, with a little bit of sound from uh, a guy that uh, I think anybody in the retirement world knows, and, and we're talking about Tom Hegna. Um, and you've seen him on TV. You've probably read his books. Don't worry, be happy. Another one is uh, paychecks and playchecks. All of that. And again, he is a truly a retirement guru. Would you agree? I would. Yeah. I would. So let's hear what he has to say. He's talking about um, risk and um, concerns. Well, you know, of all the risks in retirement, and there's market risk, there's inflation, there's taxes, there's long-term care, there's sequence of returns, withdrawal rate risk. There's a lot of risks. But the number one risk is longevity risk because, as you said, it's not just a risk. It multiplies all the other risks. See, the longer you live, the more likely the stock market is going to crash. The longer you live, the more likely you're going to take too much money out. The longer you live, the more likely you'll see inflation. The more likely you'll see your taxes go up, and the more likely you're going to need long-term care. And so what the PhDs who study retirement say is, you know, in order to have an optimal retirement, you must take that longevity risk off the table. All right. Yeah, I think that's a good thing. So longevity, that's uh, that's the key, huh? Yeah. And, you know, like he said, it it changes the way that you look at all those other risks. Um, that being said, when we, you know, utilize the financial planning process to really, you know, work to position ourselves today to take that risk off the table by, you know, not just putting together a plan, but then utilizing it to align someone's finances to, you know, really, um, you know, 
work for them in a way that's not going to have that risk be such a, a major factor for them, um, it turns longevity into something that you can celebrate as opposed to, uh, you know, fear or have as a risk in your in your situation. I like that. I like what you, the way you said that, that uh, because, uh, you know, again, longevity, I, yeah, I don't really think about it being a good thing, but it is. I mean, when, when it's all said and done, if we're prepared, if we've got a plan, let's go. Right. I mean, if you think about retirement and separate from your mind for a second, you know, your retirement account balances and your social security paycheck that, you know, you, you will have coming to you or any other form of income and just the financial picture. And just think about you've ended your working years. You're moving into the time now where you can, you know, more fully define how you use your time and, and, and what you enjoy. And I would think you would want to make that last as long as possible. Right. Um, so, you know, only when finances are brought into the equation, do people start thinking about longevity as a bad thing. Right. And, uh, you know, again, this is something that, you know, he talked about, uh, you know, longevity. The longer you live, the more apt there'll be a stock market crash. Well, I mean, again, that I guess that's true, too, isn't it? Yeah. But, you know, we have to prepare for the unknowns, both in the market and within someone's, you know, personal life. Right. So um market you know volatility is going to occur there may be a crash or two or three over someone's retirement um hopefully not more than that right but we need to be able to maneuver through those times um in such a way that it doesn't change how they actually are living their life and how they're um you know enjoying their retirement years um we're just going to make sure we can accommodate it with their investment portfolio and the different moving parts in their financial picture Right. Well, absolutely. Folks, if you want to get a head start, let me give you a phone number. It's 888-908-0503. So we're talking about concerns of, uh, you know, have I saved enough? And and again, it, it, the answer is that depends, right? Right. Well, and, and when you look at the, you know, financial planning equation for have I saved enough, right? Um, it's going to be based on, you know, what you've accumulated up to this point, And then also, what that retirement picture is going to look like for you, um, how you intend on using the money that you saved up, how much your call it your your monthly budget would be for your your fixed expenses and you know covering the things that you want to do, and how that aligns with what you've put away so far. And you know it's not just making sure that um, you know the money is going to last long enough, but also that it's going to um, you know, be done in such a way that we can accommodate for those unknowns as well. Right. That's right. that all comes into the equation of have we saved enough? Right. And again, that's a big question as well. And, and you know, working with an advisor, I think some folks maybe got an advisor, you know, 15, 20 years ago and they've been with that person all along. And, you know, in an in a you know, growth stage, that's probably enough. But when we get closer to retirement, we call it that financial red zone. We need somebody that knows how to make that transition from, you know, acquisition to distribution preservation. Right. And, um, you know, this is an important thing and it's kind of a touchy topic for an advisor like myself to be putting out the concern. Are you working with the correct advisor? Right. Mm -hmm. But it is important for someone to have that specific, you know, skill set of transitioning a portfolio from accumulation to distribution in such a way that it occurs successfully. Um, and I think that um, if you're in that you know, process now or if you're getting close to it, 
it never hurts to get a second opinion on um, how you're set up to do so, sure. right? Um, different advisors work in different ways. You know, I've got certain things that we do as a team that I, you know, I, I feel strongly about and that may be different from an advisor that you're working with currently or that you've uh, maybe interviewed if you're starting the process now of considering a change. Um, and so seeing how different advisors work and finding a good match is, is always important. Sure. 888-908-0503. So, um, okay, the right advisor. So for me, you know, you need to have somebody with experience. You want somebody that's, you know, not beholden, and we want somebody that's a fiduciary. And those are, you are all three of those things. And, and that's what makes a difference to me anyway when, when you sit down with an advisor, because I know you're looking out for me. Right. Well, I think that fiduciary point is, is especially important, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, a fiduciary um, is not only, um, you know, going to try and, you know, make sure they're doing the right thing and do what's in your best interest, but they're obligated to, you know, both ethically and morally and also legally. So um, I think that's kind of question number one, if you were to say, what should I ask a potential advisor that I may want to work with or consider, um, you know, getting a second opinion from in contrast with someone I'm working with currently. Um, but there's other things to ask as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is the advisor's background? Uh, what is their areas of expertise? Do they have a specific niche or a focus um, that they're, you know, they're working with? Um, is it a team or is it a individual approach? Um, and if it's a team, is the support team more from a you know, a logistical standpoint, helping with paperwork and, and calendaring, or do you have different areas of specialists that add to the, you know, the depth of advice and um, implementation that you can get from from that person and that team. Sure. Well, and again, fiduciary, then that, that, that comes to me and, you know, talking about honesty, integrity, those are things that just happen with you. And, and you know, I, I think that there are some who, uh, you know, take a Sharpie and write fiduciary on a piece of paper, hang it on a wall and say, see, I'm a fiduciary. Right. <laughs> right. I right. mean, that can happen. Right. But I mean, I know it you take happen. it much more seriously than that. And, and I think most people do. I take it incredibly seriously. And, you know, I've mentioned several times in the past when you've had these conversations that I um, like to try and equip people that are listening to the show with questions that can help them, you know, kind of weed through, is this person you know, a better salesperson and giving me a pitch or do they truly have a process that is going to benefit me both initially with a financial plan and then how they're going to serve me um, going forward because they've got a logical thought out process and the right people in place to, you know, to run the thing successfully. Well, and we're talking about, you know, making a plan that's going to cover 20, maybe 30 years. Yeah, we need to, we need somebody that knows how to do that. And, and again, I, I'm not saying you shouldn't be a do-it-yourselfer, but I'm saying you shouldn't be a do-it-yourselfer. You know, right. I just want help. Right. And, you know, there's so many areas in life where you can either do it yourself or you can seek, you know, um, the assistance of a professional. And I think, you know, if you're if you have a, a medical condition and you're going to try and self-diagnose and not go to the doctor for that, you might find that, uh, you know, going on Google and trying to figure out what's going on with you. I mean, Google doesn't have a, a PhD or a doctorate and, you know, or an MD, I suppose, and yeah. is going to, you know, potentially give you the right answer there. But um, also know that a lot of times people think of, well, I don't know if I can afford to work with an advisor or, it, you know, it's going to cost me too much. And, and that's really the reason why they strive to do it themselves. Um, sit down with someone or come in and sit down with us and take a look at what that 
actually looks like. And you may find that um, not only is it not, um, you know, too um, expensive to consider, but, you know, I also think that the do-it-yourselfer benefits from having that professional to bounce ideas off of and to work with. Um, you'll find that it's just an additional resource for you, sure. right? The advisor and their their team by extension. Absolutely. Well, folks, uh, we're up against the clock here, Daniel. Let's go ahead and invite folks to call, and we'll take a break and come right back. Sounds great. Well, when we talk about these topics, I mean, you can probably hear I'm incredibly passionate about this in my belief that you deserve a confident, independent retirement. Um, I believe it not only, um, you know, enhances your ability to enjoy that longevity in those years in retirement, but if you're in the years leading up to it and you've got a plan you can be confident in, um, it can give you some additional satisfaction and can take a weight off your shoulders today as well. Um, so we keep a few openings on our calendar for listeners to sit down with us. It's a free consultation um, to get either an initial look at this or a second opinion to what you're currently doing um, to make sure that you're on the right path. And if not, we can help put you on the right path. No. But this consultation will help you determine how prepared your portfolio is to handle things, uh, the risks that are driving a lot of uh, you know angst out there nowadays with inflation, stock market volatility, taxation. Uh, you've worked very hard for your money. Um, we'll work just as hard to help you grow it, preserve it, and uh, help you get the most out of it with an, you know, a well-aligned and designed plan. Absolutely, Dan. 888-908-0503. It's an opportunity to sit down with Daniel and his team and, and get that financial roadmap put together. Taking things that are complicated, yep, making it clear and easy to understand. Here's your chance to get a true practical financial review. Just like he said, whether it's your first time or you're looking for a second opinion, Dan's your guy. 888-908-0503. You're going to get the comprehensive financial review just described, plus all the extras that go along with it. And you're going to walk out with a roadmap that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 888-908-0503. Again, 888-908-0503. Many times when the financial markets are volatile, it drives investors to reconsider what is in their investment portfolio and how it's managed. So when we come back, there's some things to consider that may challenge how you... back on Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall having a fun conversation. We're going to jump into something here that I think everybody is, you know, have, will have an interest in for sure. You know, you talk about um, uh, what in, what drives investors to sort of reconsider the uh, their, their portfolio. That's a that's a big deal. And uh, again, Dan, let's uh, let's jump in and see. Uh, so, what uh, what are the uh, drivers of a of return in a portfolio? Sure, I think that that question is a very logical place to start, right? Um, when we have volatility in the markets, a lot of times that's when people dial in, like you said, and look at what um, is in their portfolio and see if it's if it's really what makes sense for them. And um, I think a, a couple ways to discuss this is is first and foremost like you said what 
actually drives the return in the portfolio. And um, I'll reference a study that was done uh, called Determinants of Portfolio Performance, or it's also known in the industry as the Brinson study, okay. um, that looked at con what contributes to long-term portfolio performance, right? Mm -hmm. And 91% um, of what drove the returns in the portfolio based on this study that was done uh, was the strategic asset allocation. Um, what made up the other 9%, 5% uh, of it was security selection, 2% uh, tactical asset allocation, and 2% was other factors or in some cases luck, right? Mm -hmm. um, so what did we learn from that? I mean, when you're looking at your portfolio, um, a lot of times it's easy to look at a list of investments and say, okay, um, you know, kind of picking securities here and there and deciding, you know, what you, how you want to change a portfolio, but looking at how those things combine and what the allocation is, is many times what should be the primary focus for an investor. Right. And uh, again, the primary focus, you talk about um, active versus passive. And, and those are two words that, uh, that, you know, again, they can be applied to retirement, certainly. Absolutely. So when we, you know, take a look at a portfolio this way, I, I like to take studies like this or examples like this and apply it in a couple different ways, right? First off, like you said, active versus passive. This study didn't necessarily make the case for one versus the other. Mm -hmm. um, it just said that the focus and what drove the return would be on the allocation. But if you find that, A, you just you don't necessarily know how to create the allocation in the first place, right? That's you need that help for, you know, from an advisor or someone that's in the industry. But then with that, um, the strategic asset allocation doesn't necessarily stay static. Um, that's, you know, you can make the case of passive versus aggressive or, or active management. But um, I think what we see here is that how the um, assets are allocated across those classes and how you evolve it over time is really what's going to drive that return. And that's what the this is telling us. So another thing that I think is interesting mm -hmm. is um, if you look at different wealth management groups or advisor models and how they, uh, you know, take this study and then apply it to, you know, if you're listening now, apply it to your portfolio and think about, you know, does it your portfolio and what you're doing with it align with what this study is telling us? First off, either you or the person that's making decisions for the portfolio is 91% of the decision-making focused on the strategic asset allocation, or is there a just as much of a focus on some of these other areas? And is that correct? Mm -hmm. Another way to look at it is, okay, how am I, how, am, how do my investments, um, how do I get, you know, pay fees for them? And where are the embedded costs for the investments? Is 91% of the cost I'm paying as an investor going towards paying for, active strategic asset allocation, or am I paying just as much for security selection or other parts that maybe aren't contributing as much to the long-term you know, results of the portfolio? Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's, there's just a lot of ways to take something like this and to use it as a, uh, a way to frame up and um, consider an investment portfolio. And if it's, you know, truly set up correctly for uh, an investor and what they're looking to do. Sure. You have one question here. What do you do when diversification fails? Right. I love this question. And I used to do uh, presentations called When Diversification Fails. And the reason I wanted to talk about that was, you know, having an asset allocation and 
you know, having a diverse portfolio, um, there's a lot of talk in the industry or a lot of advisors that would tell a client, you know, it's when the market gets volatile, we need to have exposure to multiple asset classes um, so we can smoothen out the ride, right? Um, we have, you know, at the highest level, the stocks and bonds, right? In discussion. And they say, you know, when the stock market starts to get volatile, the bond portion of your portfolio can help balance that out and then vice versa on the other side. But when we look at, you know, what's happened in the last, you know, 20 plus months or so in terms of the volatility we've had. And then also when we think about 2007 to 2009, the volatility that occurred then, these are two examples where, um, you know, almost all categories in, in a diversified portfolio took a hit. And in some cases, you know, not every single category, but most bond categories went down when the equity market went down. So strategic asset allocation as a focus is important, but that having a, a team in place that is also taking into account how we're maneuvering through these different market moments is, uh, is also incredibly key because, you know, if you just start with a diverse portfolio and say, no matter what the market does long-term, I'll be okay. Well, if at the moment that equities get volatile and the market starts to pull back, the, you know, quote unquote, safer side of your portfolio is also going down, that that's not really serving the purpose that, you know, is, it was intended to, right? Right. Well, okay. And, and again, as we uh, keep going on here, um, what about uh, asset allocation? Uh, what are some things to think about? Right. Um, you know, when you and I had talked about this before, we talked about a, a lot of investors think just a starting place for that is 60-40, right? Yeah. Um, or 50-50 or 70-30. They think about, um, you know, how much they have in stocks and bonds. And I like to, you know, tell investors that it's, it's healthy to think beyond that. Um, consider the different subcategories of asset classes, right? So, um, are you invested in large cap companies, mid cap, small cap? Do you have exposure to international? Um, uh, do you have any alternatives in your portfolio? What role are these different investments uh, playing and how do they work with each other? Um, you know, it's, it's a great thing to segue to after you, you know, ask the question, what do you do when diversification fails? Well, we can expand diversification beyond the standard 60-40 discussion using more categories um, it can potentially actually introduce more challenges when you have more things to, to manage. But if you do that and then you have the proper portfolio management team working with you to uh, make sure that you're monitoring all these different areas, it just gives you that further diversification that, you know, can, um, you know, be the difference maker when you have those moments of volatility in the market where there's downward pressure to cross across a lot of different categories. Sure. So again, as we, uh, you know, kind of get into this, that whole 60-40 thing, it's, it's time to take a different look at that, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. It's, um, I, I think that, you know, the, the thought process around 60-40 um, and, you know, we had a market, you know, let's just say prior to this, this latest downturn where um, there's were some that believed that you could just kind of allocate it 60, 40 and just let it ride. And I think that nowadays um, with the speed of information and the vast number of investment vehicles that are available to more people, um, you know, you should take advantage of the fact that 
you know, you can invest in asset, you know, investment categories that you couldn't invest in, you know, 20 or 30 years ago as a retail investor that were maybe only available to some of the, you know, big institutional type investment home houses that, uh, you know, can do things that maybe your, your average investor couldn't do. Sure. And uh, again, folks, if you want to get a head start, it's 888-908-0503. And um, so um, why such a large focus on alternatives? Or no, wait a minute, let's go back to this endowment model. Talk about that. Sure. So I, um, I get asked the question a lot, um, you know, how does big money invest or how do large institutions invest? And so uh, someone I worked with um, in the past as a portfolio manager, um, him and I actually, and in order to illustrate this, um, what we did was we looked at 10 of the major endowments that are affiliated with um, some of the largest education, you know, largest colleges in the country, right? Um, so these average anywhere from, you know, 2 billion to 30 billion in size and we looked at how they invested and we contrasted it with your average investor and what we found was was pretty amazing um so i've got a couple of details on this i'm gonna jump into it but um steve i know we're kind of coming up yep, on we time are here, indeed we? your, your timing right. is fantastic yeah so i don't want to start jumping into numbers before we uh we need to take a break here but um you know if you're out there listening to this and you're not quite sure how to you know, reconsider the investments in your portfolio. Um, it's not quite clear how it's um, allocated or what the different investments roles are in driving potential return or outcome. I mean, come and sit down with us. We can help you make sense of all of this. It can be very confusing, but it doesn't need to be. Um, and furthermore, we've got a qualified broad team that, you know, does this from you know, all the way from the beginning part of the process of doing the economic research to trend, you know, taking that information and applying it to what investments make sense at any given moment, and then all the way out into your portfolio and making sure that that allocation is set for you based on what level of risk that's appropriate to you and where you're looking to go with your uh, bigger picture plan. So, you know, bring your investment statements, uh, whether it's a work retirement plan or um, something else you've got. We love to take a look at it and give you some initial thoughts. Sounds fantastic. Folks, give us a call, 888-908-0503. A great opportunity for you uh, to uh, review your individual circumstances with no cost, no obligation. What you'll find out is how much risk you might be taking. Are there any red flags that jump out that could be a problem? What about fees and commissions? Do you know how much you're actually paying? How about tax liability? And of course, finding security in a lifetime retirement income plan that includes maximizing that social security benefit. And if you'd like to take advantage of that complimentary review, simply call us 888-908-0503, 888-908-0503. Hey, when we come back, we're gonna jump right back into what we were talking about, uh, you know, the big time investor versus maybe folks like you and me. We will break that Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. Do 
you. We are back. Capital Insights is the program. Daniel Meyer is here. Daniel is a fiduciary, uh, nearly 20 years helping folks getting to and through retirement. And there's so much more. We've got uh, we got a lot going on here. And, and we started talking about a little bit about uh, our alternatives and, and alternative investments, that kind of thing. Why? What are we talking about here, Daniel? Sure. Well, we, you know, we kind of started with an even higher level question of, in market, a time of market volatility, when you, you know, consider the investments in your portfolio, you know, we wanted to give the uh, listener a couple different ways to think about it, right? And when we um, were talking earlier, we talked about how does that big money institution or an endowment invest? Um, and so I did a, um, we, we did a project on this. Um, we looked at, uh, with a previous um, advisor and myself, um, Luckily, the large um, endowments that work with the major universities, um, you know, they publish um, in their annual statements their investments that they hold and how they're allocated. So it's public information that you can access if you know where to get it. So we looked at uh, 10 of these different endowments to see what they were holding. Um, And, you know, if you contrast what that looks like with, you know, kind of that traditional mindset around maybe 60-40, um, it can be, it's eye-opening, I guess, to say the least. Okay. So Steve, why don't I, why don't I do this? Why don't I ask you, um, in the context of 60, 40, how much, if 60 was equities and 40 was bonds for a traditional investor, how much do you think, um, the average in these 10 endowments, how much do they have in uh, traditional fixed income or bonds? Um, give me a guess. I'm going to say what? Probably more than sixty percent in in uh, equities and and less in bonds. So they had eight percent in bonds. Okay. Right. So how much do you think they had in domestic equities? Hmm. Most of it. I don't know. Twelve percent. Oh wow. So now that's you know when I say eye opening, think about what that means. It means if if you just take that simplistic approach of sixty forty to your portfolio, and then you say okay, well. Um, for this discussion, let's just, I mean, we can go through the numbers, but these, these endowments do pretty well compared to your, your average investor, right? In terms of the returns they're driving and what they're doing, if they're only investing 20% of their total assets that they have available in what I've got in hundred percent of my portfolio, well, what are they doing with the other 80 that I'm not doing? Right. Right. Uh, first off, I would say that, um, if they've got 12% in domestic equities, um, in this case, when we looked at the numbers, they actually had 15% in foreign equity. So, you know, most ed, you know investors that we meet with have the vast majority in domestic equities. Um, and I would say at this given moment, that's probably a good idea. But the idea that you need to globalize your portfolio and have exposure to foreign equities um, in a more serious manner is something that we definitely see the larger institutions and endowments doing. Um, the remainder of the portfolio would be invested in what we would traditionally classify as alternative categories. Okay. Right? What does that so, mean? so, you know, when you talk about alternatives, you can have an alternative strategy or an alternative category, um, for ease of today's discussion, let's just stick with the category side of things. Um, so private equity, absolute return, um, natural resources and commodities, real estate, um, infrastructure. These are all examples of alternative investments, um, you know, and a high level definition of what I mean by alternatives is really just anything that you can invest in that's not your traditional 
stock and bond for today's discussion. Okay. Right. Right. So, you know, with such a large portion of the portfolios that these um, institutions invested this way, you know, the next question would be, are these investments available for your average, you know, retail investor? And the answer to that is most of them are right. Um, we spoke earlier about how, you know, broadening up your thinking about the asset allocation to include all those different categories is a good thing to do because there's so many new investments that are available and affordable that advise it advisors and their clients can use to get exposure to new categories that weren't necessarily there before. Um, and, and, it, and the list is growing every day, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, you know, the idea here is that, you know, that further diversification, but with that, um, you know, management with an active team, like the one that we have, it helps us, you know, just further equip ourselves for those, you know, that one, two, three different market down cycles that you may have within a retirement, um, making sure that you're prepared for it and that you've got diversification beyond just that traditional 60-40. Sure. And uh, so alternative investments, and, and it's interesting that the uh, the institutional investors are doing things differently than, than what we do. And I guess there's reasons for that. Right. I mean, there's obviously reasons. That, I mean, they've got the ability because of the scope of their assets and how large their pool is that they're working with to invest in things directly that we may not have access to. But, you know, we can use um, different fund options to get exposure to private equity, to absolute return, to natural resources, to real estate, to infrastructure. Those are not categories that are unavailable to your your average investor. Mm -hmm. And um, it's also not something that, you know, when, when these investments were first starting to become available to a retail investor, they may have had higher minimums or, or uh, you know, other barriers to entry, if you will. And and nowadays, you know, we've we've got so many options available to us. Um, it, it makes it easier to look at your average investor and then an endowment model such as this and, and see how you could really translate and, you know, potentially design something that would act and look and work like what they're what they're doing that's interesting wow i don't even i mean this is uh, this is all new territory for me and and uh, you know i i talk a lot about this stuff but this is a great way to look at it yeah I, I love talking about this it's something that comes up um in meetings with me when in my meet with clients and so it's i i just thought we'd put it out there as another way for the listeners to kind of you know frame up the, the thought process around when you look at your investments in your portfolio, um, how is it, you know, allocated and why? Mm -hmm. And if you don't know the answer to the why, I mean, first off, that's what our team exists for to help with that. Um, but this is just one example of maybe criteria you, you could use to, uh, to make that determination. Sure. And um, so what if I'm transitioning from saving into my uh, portfolio to taking distributions? And, and that really is your specialty. Right. And we've even put a, a, a phrase to it in the past when we've talked about this, that, you know, going from an asset allocation to an income allocation. Right. Right. Um, it, it's it's a transition that, you know, it can one psychologically, it can be challenging to start taking distributions from a portfolio of people. It, it almost feels unnatural when they've saved for so many years to start taking those distributions. But, you know, we don't want things like reverse dollar cost averaging, which, you know, when we had dollar cost averaging as a saver, 
worked for us. And now on the reverse side, it works against us. So we need to have a plan in place for how we're going to manage both regular monthly distributions, um, lump sum distributions such that uh, um, it doesn't, you know, we don't fall subject to, um, you know, the current market conditions and having to sell out of things we would otherwise not want to um, sell at that moment. Sure. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Absolutely. And uh, so, you know, let's talk a little bit about, um, uh, well, like guaranteed income. That's something that we want to achieve, certainly. But I mean, that that doesn't happen by accident either. No. And I think that, uh, you know, there's different ways to position, you know, your portfolio to generate income for you. You can do it um, without using some of those guaranteed income you know, vehicles like annuities that are out there, um, or you could also consider it. And I um, tell clients, we should consider both options and not only just consider it, but project out based on what they have and you know, maybe um, income sources that are already there, um, what they have within their portfolio available to them. Uh, let's just project out each option and see what works the best, right? Sure. Um, you know, and if it makes sense to not use something that is going to provide, you know, the guaranteed income, then we'll do that. We don't, we're not tied to any one approach. Um, and in many cases, what we do then is we would actually build out several years of income, retirement income within the portfolio, um, with more conservative type investments, you know, fixed income, uh, most commonly. And that would then, we would use that portion of the uh, portfolio to kind of smooth out the bumps of uh, if the equity market takes a hit, we can take a pause on maybe including that part of the portfolio from distributions mm -hmm. um, and allow it to recover before we start to build additional years of income. Right. Um, but then we you know, and that strategy can be done with um, also including um, income that's generated from say an annuity or another guaranteed income source. As sure. Well. well, guaranteed income source like social security. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, I realize it's a different, different ball game, but uh, but I, but, you know, same. I mean, that's that's an annuity of the finest order. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and it's, you know, um, maximizing what we're going to get from our social security benefit is definitely one part, one of the important parts of the process that we take into consideration when we do this. Sure. Well, again, uh, D Daniel, we have uh, once again run up against the clock here. We've uh, covered a lot of ground, um, and uh, let's invite folks to call, and take advantage of it. Sounds good. Well, I know that, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. This can be um, intimidating. There's a lot going on. And um, but what I want to tell people is this is also incredibly important. Um, you know, when it comes to making sure you have income in retirement and that it's going to last long enough for you, I mean, um, you know, you almost can't afford to get that one wrong. Right. So making sure that you have a plan in place so that you will have the income that you need to have a sustained um, and enjoyable and hopefully healthy retirement um, is what we do and it's what we like to help you do. Um, so we offer an initial consultation to come in and take a look at what that process would be based on what you have going on now within your portfolio and we'll also determine additional things that we can do to take some of those risks off the table, um, like inflation, stock market volatility, you know, and then also the excess taxation, making sure we're getting the most bang for our buck in terms of how we're putting money away. Sure. So you, you've worked hard for your money. 
Uh, we want to make sure it works hard for you as well, that you get the most you can from it and that you also are able to preserve your wealth over time. So uh, give us a call. Let's sit down, take a look uh, together and see what we can do for you. I like it, uh, Daniel. 888-908-0503. It is simply, well, it is that simple to just make that call and to take advantage of the opportunity to sit down and get to put together a financial roadmap. Um, taking things that are complicated, yes, but making them a lot easier to understand. That's what Dan can do for you. A practical financial review, 888-908-0503. It is a comprehensive review, and you'll see, yep, here's where I am today, but it becomes that roadmap for you to see down the road how you're going to get from point A to point B. 888-908-0503. One more quick break, and we're back with another We are back on Capital Insights with Daniel Meyer. We've got one more segment, and this is it. We're going to get to some questions in a minute, but first, um, the couple of things that we're going to go uh, that we wanted to touch on in the last segment, uh, just so just a continuation of that. Um, so what what are we what are we thinking about here? You know, we're talking about transitioning into you know retirement. Uh, what what should we look out for? What do we need to be aware of? Right. So you know, we talked about that you know, asset allocation to income allocation transition, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think um, as you're doing that, um, if you're listening now and you're working with an advisor, I think that is an important time to ask, um, you know, some questions of the advisor and the plan, making sure that, hey, do we have a plan for systematic distributions from the portfolio and unscheduled distributions? Do we have a plan in place where we can, you know, absorb market volatility and have flexibility and how the money comes out, uh, depending on what happens with my life, mm -hmm. right? Um, and my family and, um, and then long term, is this designed in such a way that it will be sustainable and that, um, you know, I can, you know, kind of relax and make sure that I'm able to focus on living my life and enjoying my retirement and not necessarily on always dialing in and worrying about each individual statement as it comes to me month to month. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. And so um, it just, here's a question. I think, I mean, again, we're talking about investment alternatives or alternative investing. So, um, you know, it always seems when the economy burps, um, you know, we've got, we've got uh, ads of a plenty for gold and silver and putting it in your IRA. What uh, is that? Is that a thing? Is that something we should talk about? Sure. I suppose we can't really cover alternative investments without talking about gold and silver, right? Okay. Um, which, which fall within the broader category of, you know, natural resources. So you can invest in a lot of different things like that. Um, but definitely um, there's, a, you know, when you see an ad for something like that, they talk a lot about buying it direct or buying physical gold, storing it somewhere or storing it in your house, right? So there's two different discussions that can be had here. The one discussion is, from an investment standpoint, um, you can get exposure to these things just using, you know, an exchange trade fund or a mutual fund. You don't need to, you know, have gold bars that are going in a safe in your, you know, your your master bedroom closet, right? Yeah, you right. Can, you can invest in it in a liquid format where you can get into it and get out of it within your current investment portfolio and get that exposure. Um, and this is usually done. Um, by an advisor or a portfolio management team to hedge against things like inflation, um, you know, currency risk, other things of that nature. Um, the discussion where, where 
it pushes on into owning direct um, gold or, or you know silver in that format. Um, it, it's it's a discussion that is it, it's framed up different than just looking to enhance return in a portfolio. Usually, I find this part of the conversation is driven by you know kind of a larger fear of you know maybe the trajectory of the country overall or you know fear about the national debt and you know the you know just called confidence in the dollar right mm -hmm. and so then you have to ask yourself okay if that's my reason for buying gold or silver whatever it is and owning it direct versus owning it in a fund um how would that serve me if those bigger fears um are realized right and and we don't need to go all, all the way into this rabbit hole steve right because okay. obviously if the dollar collapses there's a lot of things that are that are pretty scary that you could imagine could happen right sure um, and if that's what someone's thinking about in terms of you know owning gold and silver um i don't know at that moment that uh you know if you go to uh the supermarket or you go out into the community and there's somewhat of a, a chaotic situation that that having that gold is going to be the the difference maker but um the same portfolio manager that i did the endowment study with had a really i thought a logical approach to this right because mm -hmm. Um, we both do, we do use those alternatives within our portfolios, um, when the time makes sense. Um, but his approach was, he said, Hey, um, I do think that there is some element of being prepared and having physical assets at home. Um, so what he said is I'm just going to invest in really good, um, you know, gold, silver, diamond jewelry for my wife. I'll have enough there if I ever needed, you know, in that chaotic situation to have something on hand, but I don't need to, uh, you know, take half my IRA and buy physical gold with it. Right. right. And right. his, his thought was, Hey, you know, I can get a, a benefit here and that I'm doing something great for the person I love. And I've also checked the box of having something of value on hand in the house that may be useful at some point. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, you talk about the dollar collapsing and, you know, everybody has this vision of, uh, you know, taking a bar of gold and shaving off some stuff at the, the grocery store right. to buy. So, right. I mean, again, it's not it, it's not like that. Right. And, and I hate to even bring that up, but it's just, um, you know, it went, like you said, when the market gets volatile, the, the commercials start oh for, for gold and silver. Right. And a lot of times it's it's right on the tail end of talking about some of those things and driving some of those fears about, you know, the kicking the can down the road and the, you know, the, you know, it, everything's unsustainable. And, you know, I, I get it. There's, there's serious things that need to get done, you know, that we need to take care of as a country, but, um, you know, using that as a justification to push someone into maybe owning more of something like that, than maybe makes sense for them. If you, you know, if they were to sit down with someone, go through a planning process like we've been talking about and figure out what, you know, what makes sense for them. Um, carving off too large of a portion of your, you know, your liquid assets, just to old physical gold. If that's the true reason, you know, you, I, I'll let you figure that one out for yourself, but I think yeah, you see where I'm going. I get with it. This. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk, uh, you know, we talked about uh, proactive and, um, uh, as opposed to reactive or non-proactive. Um, so if I've got an advisor right now and, and um, I'm kind of wondering what's going on, how do I know proactive, reactive? How do I know they're doing the right thing? Well, I think it's important to, you know, to get clarification from an advisor that's helping you with the wealth management side of things um, in terms of how they pick investments. So right out of the gate, if you're, if you're planning on talking to someone, I would ask them, 
what is the uh, rationale behind how you're designing the portfolio proposal that you're giving me? Is it is it designed to, you know, because you have a certain way that you do research and that you work and that it will function long term, you know, best with the way your team works? Um, you know, what I would watch out for in that case is I find a, a lot of times when I talk to people that they say, well, the advisor asked me for a copy of the statements of the investments I currently have. And then they had me come back and they gave me a, uh, a report that just showed me that their proposal, if I would have been in their investments over the past couple of years, just would have performed better than what I'm in now and suggested a changeover. That first off, you know, prior returns does not guarantee anything in terms of the future. And there's nothing there about how they're going to work with the portfolio going forward. It's all of a, a backwards looking process. So how are the investments selected? Who and how are, who's going to be involved in making investment, you know, change decisions? How are they qualified to do so? What are their backgrounds? And how does the team work such that there's a timely process for taking in the changes in the, you know, the economy, in the markets, you know, adjusting the portfolios as needed, um, and even more so, I would say, and how are you going to communicate that out to me as a client um, on top of when I'm meeting with you, right? Mm -hmm. I want to know if you're changing things in the portfolio, I would want to know why, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So those are a couple of the things that I would um, ask because there shouldn't be anything in an investment proposal that's just there you know, just to be there as a placeholder, right? There should be a purpose for each of the investments, a plan for how the initial allocation is selected and how it's going to be managed going forward. Well, like purpose determines placement. It's very important to follow that that little rule, if you will. Right. And I think um, I, I can't stress enough, you know, even asking, this may seem a little intrusive, but, you know, asking an advisor, you know, if you're working with them or if you're interviewing someone to potentially work with, when you're not meeting with me and you're, you know, meeting with other clients and you're going through your day to day, tell me about your daily, weekly and monthly process of how you're taking in that market information, you're making decisions for the portfolio, and then how often you're actually going to adjust the portfolio because of it, right? Is it right. just going to be rebalancing to a static portfolio or are you going to be making um, calls where you get out of certain investments? Are you just going to be shifting the weighting a little bit in one direction or the other? You know, tell me what that looks like um, so I can get a feel for, you know, if this is something that's established and up and running and working, or if, you know, hopefully it's not the case that it was just, they put something together that looks good day one, but there's no plan on what to do with it moving forward. Sure. All right. I understand. That makes sense. And um, so, again, I think we're kind of wrapped up here. Holy cow, this goes fast. Yeah, it's I mean, we've been having fun, right? Yeah, There's a right. lot to so, cover here. So how, what do you, how do you want to sum it up? What do you want to leave us with? Well, I mean, hopefully you hear in the way I'm talking about this, that I have a great passion for helping people, um, you know, get that confidence that they need both in their retirement and in their, you know, whatever financial goals that they're working towards, right? Um, we take a team-based approach um, and it's been well thought out in terms of how we function together so that we can provide detailed, actionable advice and then help implement that advice as we go, you know, having a portfolio management team separate from the advisor, 
Um, we have a tax team, we can do estate documents, and we all are involved in all of those processes, right? So, you know, if you want to come in and get a feel for how we work, I'd love to give you more detail on how the team works. But really, that initial consultation is about you. So um, come ready with questions about, you know, you, you know what you were looking for. Um, ask us the tough questions. We love to tell you how we work and what we do and how some of the things we do are different. But we then really want to get into your situation so we can give you a feel for, you know, how our team could best serve you and what that may mean for you in, in terms of, uh, you know, better aligning you with where you're at now and where you're looking to go in the future. So if you give us a call, we set aside time specifically for these meetings, and we'd love to have that meeting with you to see how we can serve you. And it all starts with a phone call to Daniel, 888-908-0503. Again, it's a great opportunity for you to really review your individual circumstances. And again, there's no cost. There's no obligation. Find out the risk you are taking. Are there any red flags that could jump out at you down the line? What about fees and commissions? Do you really know how much you're being you're paying? and potential tax liability, and of course, a lifetime retirement income plan that includes maximizing that Social Security benefit. Take advantage of this right now. Give us a call. It's 888-908-0503, 888-908-0503. Daniel, as always, it's a pleasure to have these conversations. I love the direction you headed today. You took me down a path, and I, uh, you know, I learned a lot on the way. That's great. I enjoyed the conversation, and I have a lot of passion around, you know, talking about this, uh, but even more so and actually helping people, you know, implement this and do it in, the, in their lives. So, um, yeah, I could talk all day on this. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll pick it up next week. And uh, in the meantime, hey, thanks, everybody, for listening. We really do appreciate it. We're going to come back next week. We'll have new topics and questions, all of that and more right here. Investment advisory services offered through Daniel Meyer, registered investment advisor. During the show, Daniel Meyer provides general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and is not liable for the use of the information discussed. Exposure to ideas and products or services should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any of these financial rules. This information should also not be considered tax or advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Tax performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and one redeem may be worth more or less than the future. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed concerns refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory services. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Forge Private Wealth. By contacting Forge Private Wealth, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.